Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Mission Church. I'm so excited that you decided to tune in this morning for Mission Church at Home. My name is Joe Little. I'm the youth pastor here at Mission Church, and we've already had such an amazing fall with our church. I mean, we've had prayer and worship nights. We've had team nights. We even are starting in-person small groups. Shameless plug, if you're in middle school or high school, every single Tuesday night, we're gonna be hanging out in downtown Walnut Creek at 6 p.m. And if you, uh, we would love for you to join us. It's gonna be amazing. We're calling them Mission Youth fall nights. You're going to want to invite all of your friends, get everyone that you know there as we hang out every single Tuesday night in Walnut Creek. And you can sign up and get all the information that you need at missionchurchca.com backslash groups. And I'm so excited to preach a sermon today that honestly was inspired by a staff teaching by our lead pastor, Tyler Johnson. And just for a second, can we just talk about how amazing our lead pastors are? If you're thankful for our lead pastors, go ahead and put some comments in the comment section. Make sure you put some flames, make sure you put some clap emojis, maybe even the okay symbol, because we just love our lead pastors. Me and my wife are so glad that we get to be here and be on staff at Mission Church. They work so hard so that you and me can both experience God in such an amazing way. So I just want to say we appreciate you, we love you, and we're so glad that we get to be a part of the journey. And honestly, uh, this whole sermon was inspired by a line that Pastor Tyler said in a staff teaching to our staff in one of our days in the office. And he said something, it was in passing, but it honestly stuck with me. And as soon as he said it, I felt like that was what I was supposed to preach on today. And what he said was, we can hold on to the things that God has said in the past to give us faith for our future. Because what I think sometimes happens to you and sometimes even to me is that we get a word that's inspired by God. Maybe God tells us something about what we're supposed to do in life. Maybe he tells us that he's gonna do a miracle. Maybe he tells us something that he's planning to do in the future, but then all of a sudden things get hard. Then all of a sudden maybe things don't look like they're gonna work out and we sometimes forget these things that God has said. And we sometimes feel like God hasn't even said anything at all. And that's where we find the characters in our story today in John chapter 11. You see, there's these characters, Martha and Mary, and they have this brother, Lazarus, who gets super sick. He's sick that the Bible says he's to the point of death. So they call out to their friend Jesus and they say, Jesus, the one that you love is sick. And what's crazy is that Jesus tells them, he sends a message back and he says, guys, don't even worry about it. This sickness will not end in death. But what's crazy to me is that the Bible says that because Jesus loved them so much, that he cared for them so much, that he stayed where he was for three more days. And what's crazy is that over these three days and even the four days that it took for Jesus to travel to get to Lazarus, Lazarus ends up passing away. He ends up dying. And when Jesus finally gets to Mary and Martha in uh, John chapter 11, verse 17, it says, on his arrival... Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who is to come into the world. 
After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus has not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was also deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Let's pray one more time before the teaching of God's word. God, I thank you that when things get hard and when we get frustrated and we get angry, God, we can still hold on to the things that you've said to us. We can hold on to the things that you've done. We can hold on to all the things that we've already heard from you. And I pray that that encourages us, that that fills us with faith and that it helps us to walk into everything that you've called us to walk into. And God, I even say a praise report, God, for your team, the Los Angeles Lakers. I thank you for the successful season that they had, that you heard my prayer the last time we preached, God, and that you have brought them to the NBA finals. And we know, God, that you will do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Now, me and my wife, Paige, moved here during an interesting time of the year. And I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there's kind of this big, like, pandemic going on. Uh, So we moved here in the middle of the pandemic. Like, literally, the first day that we moved here was the day that the shelter-in-place happened in California. So what's crazy is we were at our house in Florida and, and we were getting ready to move. And the movers are there and they're moving all the stuff out. And it's a Wednesday afternoon. And we ask the mover, we say, okay... Uh, when is our stuff gonna be in California? Like, when should we expect it to arrive? And he says, okay, you guys can expect your stuff this Saturday. And I was like, no way. Like, this Saturday, that's literally three days away. And he says, no, 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 I'm telling you, like, we just gotta send this to the dispatch area. We just gotta get it sent out. They'll assign a driver and he'll be there by Saturday. So I'm like, all right, awesome. And we're so, like, we hear this and we're so blown away by it that we honestly decide to even move a week earlier so that we can get there in time for our stuff. So we change all of our plans. We fly out that day because we want to make sure that we get there for our stuff. And we get there and Thankfully, we had some friends who live in California who were able to give us, you know, some of the essentials that we need. Like, remember when everyone was kind of wondering, like, where all the toilet paper went? Like, it's insane. Like, why did everyone buy up all the toilet paper? I don't know, but one of our friends went to the black market, went and got us some toilet paper underground, and we had toilet paper when we landed off the plane. It was amazing. Uh, so we eventually are there, and Wednesday comes, and Thursday passes, and, and it's Friday, and I think, you know, I just kind of want to call and maybe get an update on where our stuff is. You know, like, I don't even really think it's going to be here. Saturday, maybe by Monday, but I just want to see if it's at least on the way. So I call the guy and I say, hey, my name is Joe Little. This is my uh, order number. I just honestly wanted to know when our stuff is going to get here. I was told that it was going to get here Saturday and the guy stops me and he goes, wait, what? And I say, yeah, uh, we were told actually that our stuff was going to get here on Saturday. Um, we, it got, he said it just got picked up on Wednesday. And I said, yeah, we were told that, you know, the trip takes a few days, which makes sense. And he goes, well, first of all, Uh, I don't know if you know this, but it's at least a seven-day trip in the truck. And what's even crazier is because of COVID, uh, we actually haven't even assigned you a driver yet. So not only is your stuff not going to be there Saturday, we don't really know when it's going to be there. But don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. Don't call us. 
we'll call you. Uh, so I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, we'll, we'll just wait, you know, we'll be good stewards. So we're there, we're on an air mattress and Paige, my wife honestly loves it. Like she said, she feel like she was camping and I would never go camping. So she's taking full advantage of it. And so we're there and we go to the grocery store. We start getting some things that we need so we can at least cook some food, you know, because we have literally nothing. We came in a suitcase. So another week goes by, it's the next Friday. And I'm like, surely our stuff must be gone. Like there's no way our stuff is still in Florida. So I give the guy a call and I say, hey, like I don't know where our stuff is, but I just wanna, you know, make sure that it's at least left. And he says, well, man, honestly, like we're, we're still trying to find a driver. Like no driver really wants to go to California now. Like you get it, you get it. I'm like, no, like I don't get it. The guy said it was gonna be there a week ago. And he's like, hey man, like don't worry about it. You know, I'm trying to be a Christian at this point and be like, you know what? okay, do you have any idea when this is gonna happen? And he goes, you know what? Honestly, I don't. I don't know when it's gonna happen, but don't call us, we'll call you. So then I'm starting to get frustrated and we're like, okay, this is getting insane. Should we just go start buying some stuff? Should we, we have no furniture, we have no bed, we have nothing at all but an air mattress, which ended up popping on the third day that we were here. So now we're sleeping on the floor. Three more days goes by. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I give him a call and I'm like, hey, I honestly just wanna to talk to your manager. Like I was that guy, you know, we all hate that guy, but I was that guy. I wanna to talk to your manager. I wanna just know what's going on with my stuff. And he says, oh, crazy, your stuff actually is on the way. Uh, I know I said I would call you, but we forgot. Um, so it's actually gonna be there in about seven to 10 business days. And thankfully our stuff finally came about a week and a half later. We went four weeks sleeping on the floor, but it finally came and we were so excited and it was an amazing time. But what's crazy is I feel like the way that I responded to that situation is probably a lot of the ways that we respond to our relationship with God, to where we're waiting for an update on our miracle. We're waiting for an update on our assignment. We're waiting for an update on what God said he would do. And God's sitting here saying, you don't need a new word on what happened. I already gave you one. You don't need a new sign that I'm gonna move. I've given you signs of my faithfulness already. And yet we still say things like, well, God, if you do this one sign, then I'll fully trust you. God, if you just do this one miracle, then, then, then I'll know you're real. God, if you, just, if you just do this one thing, if you move in my business, if you move in my finances, well, well, then I'll know that you really exist. And what's crazy is we get frustrated and we get angry and we get upset because we believe that if God doesn't speak right here, right now in the way that we've asked him to, well, then he must not have spoken at all. But can I be honest with you, in my own life, the way that I have been able to build faith for my future hasn't always been by receiving a new word from God but it's actually been by remembering the words that God has already spoken to me. The way that I'm able to build faith for where I have to go is always by remembering how far God has brought me, which leads me to my main point today and the main thing that I want you to get out of this talk. We can hold on to what God has said in the past even when it doesn't look like it in the now. We can hold on to what God has said in the past even when it doesn't look like it in the now. If God says that it is done, then it is done. If he says it is finished, then it is finished. We can hold on to what God has said in the past even when it doesn't look like it in the now. And there are three things that I think that Jesus says in this story that honestly can encourage us even now. There are three things that I think that he says that can fill us with faith. And the first one comes from John chapter 11, verse 21. It says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. 
but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Come on, that's the first thing that Jesus says to us. He says, we will rise again. Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who is to come into the world. Um, Now, I have been very productive during this quarantine by watching all of the Marvel movies in chronological order. Like, I love the movies. I love movies. The minute that the movie theater opened up, we went and saw Tenet instantly. Like, I just love movies, and I love the movie theater. But something that I hate about movies is movie spoilers. Now, I'm going to be honest— I married a movie spoiler. She cannot see the, wait to see the end of movies. She can't wait to see the end of shows. My wife, Paige, loves looking up spoilers. She's the person, I kid you not, we will be watching a show on Netflix. We'll start it. After the first episode, I'll say, you know, what'd you think? And she'll say, well, I liked it. And we'll continue, decide to continue watching it. And then she'll be like, wait, 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 hold on. And she'll get on her phone and start looking up what happens. So the entire time we are watching this series, something crazy will happen. And I'll be like, what? That person just died? And she'll be looking at me like, crazy, right? That's insane. Wait till you see what happens next season. And I'm like, no, this is not the way you are supposed to watch a movie. Like, she's a person that knows who wins The Bachelor before the season even gets released. Like, she looks up those kind of spoilers. But what's crazy is because she knows the end of the story, because she knows the way that the story is going to end, she's actually able to watch a lot of shows that give me anxiety with a lot of peace. You see, because she knows the way that these stories are gonna end and she knows how they're gonna end up or which character is gonna live, which character is gonna die, she actually is able to watch these stories with a lot less anxiety, with more peace and a little bit more joy. And I think sometimes when we read these stories in the Bible, we actually forget that these characters don't know the end of the story. Like we know Lazarus is about to get raised from the dead. We know that Jesus is about to do this amazing miracle. We know that they're about to record the first ever Christian thriller music video right here, right now. But think about it from Martha's point of view. You see, all Martha knows is that she had a brother who was sick, who was about to die, and she called on her friend Jesus, and he didn't show up in time. You see, all Martha knows was that she had a brother who the Bible says was sick and to the point of death. And she called on a friend who claimed to be God. She called on a friend who claimed to be a healer, who claimed to be able to raise the sick and who claimed to be able to give sight to the blind for everybody else, but he couldn't do it for her. You see, all Martha knows is that she was ignored. She was forgotten. She was cast aside. The biggest problem in her life was pushed to the bottom of Jesus' to-do list. So because this is her perspective, because this is the way that she viewed her situation, when Jesus tells her that he's about to do something special in her life, she can't even believe it. Because your faith in God will only go as far as your view of God allows it to. I'll say that one more time. Your faith in God will only go as far as your view of God allows it to. Jesus literally says, Martha, I'm about to do something amazing. I'm about to raise your brother from the dead. You're about to see something you've never seen before. And all she heard was, I'm praying for you. Jesus says, no, Martha, like literally right now, I'm about to raise your brother from the dead. I'm about to do something incredible, something you've never seen before. And all she heard was, he's in a better place because your faith in God will only go as far as your view of God allows it to. 
So right now, what Jesus knows is that Martha's faith wouldn't get built if he just changed her situation. Martha's faith wouldn't get built if he just changed her circumstance, but what will actually build Martha's faith is if she can change her perspective. You see, some of us are praying for God to change our situations. Some of us are praying for God to change our circumstances, but what will actually change your life, what will actually build your faith, what will enhance your life, will be understanding that no matter what your situation might be, you can always change your perspective. And we see exactly what happens when you begin to change your perspective. You see, Lazarus is still dead. Lazarus is still gone, Martha's still upset, and yet she's still able to say, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. You see, nothing has changed. Her situation still isn't going the way that she wanted it to, and yet she's still able to say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Messiah. You wanna know one of the biggest ways to build your perception? You wanna know one of the biggest ways to change the way you look at your situation? Start talking to yourself more than you listen to yourself. You wanna know one of the biggest ways to change how you view your situation? Start declaring the promises of God over your life instead of just your frustrations with God. Because what God says that we can hold on to is that we will rise again, that there are better days ahead of us than there are behind us, that things will get better. We don't have to wait until our situation changes for our faith to change, but we can actually change our faith right now, build our faith right now, as long as we are willing to change our perception. And as the story continues on, It says in verse 28, after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And there are a few different times of my life that I could say, wow, like that moment, that instant changed my life forever. Like that instant, that, that moment that happened changed my life. Uh, my life will never be the same. Like I remember when I first accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I remember I grew up in church. My parents were both ministers at the church that I went to, but I remember when it finally, my eyes were opened for the first time. I was my freshman year of college and I went to a Christian university and the first night there was this insane worship session and the music is going crazy. People are worshiping and praising the name of Jesus and the gospel was preached and and the pastor talked about how God loves you and how God's for you. And I remember in that moment, raising my hand to be, become a Christian and really deciding that I was going to live this out. And I remember thinking my life was changed forever. My life will never be the same. That was a moment that changed my life forever. I remember when I got married, I remember thinking about 30 minutes before the ceremony, like, wow, this 15 minute ceremony is going to change my life forever. Like this is going to be the most impactful 15 minutes of my life. Like nothing will ever be the same. I remember when we bought our first house and when we made the decision to move to California and it all started because of a 15 minute ceremony deciding that we were going to be married. And I remember thinking that that was going to change my life forever for the better and things were going to be amazing and awesome and just have this great marriage. And I just remember thinking that everything had changed just because of a ceremony. I remember when I found out that the Lakers were better than the Warriors. I remember. And I remember thinking, wow, my life has changed forever. Just kidding. Some of you guys are going to hate that comment. I know, but I had to slide that in there. But what's crazy is we see one of these moments happen for Mary. And what sometimes gets missed in this story is that when Martha heard that Jesus, was, or that Jesus had approached, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she runs out to meet him. She goes out to meet him, but Mary decides to stay home. 
You see, from what we know, Mary was so upset. She was so angry. She was so disappointed that she says, Jesus, I'm gonna take this chance to prove a point. I don't care that you're here now. You should have been here earlier. I don't care, that I'm not going out to see you now. My brother is gone. I don't care that you're here now. You, you should have came earlier. You could have did something. And what's crazy is that what changes everything for Mary in a season of frustration, in a season where she's angry, in a season where she is so upset is our second point today. The teacher is asking for you. Come on, she was ready to give up. She was ready to throw in the towel. She was ready to move on. But then everything shifted. Everything began to change when she understood that the teacher was asking for her. You wanna know what will build you with some faith? You wanna know what will build your faith in times of uncertainty, in times of frustration? Is understanding that no matter how angry you might be at God, no matter how upset you might be at God, the teacher is still asking for you. And we begin to see Mary move with some faith. We begin to see her move with some purpose. We begin to see her put a little pep in her step. Because when you understand that you've been called, when you understand that you've been asked for, it can't help but change your position. And she gets up so abruptly, she gets up with so much excitement that the people around her begin to say, I don't know where she's going, but I know I have to follow her. I don't know who she's going to meet, but I know I have to go with her. I know I have to find out. Because when you understand that you have been called, when you understand that you've been asked for, it not only changes your position, but it can actually change the position of those around you. But do you believe that you're called? when things don't look the way that you want them to? Do you believe that you've been asked for and sent when things don't look the way that you thought that they would? Because we serve a God that says, no matter what you might be going through, I'm still asking for you. No matter how angry you might be, I'm still asking for you. Is there anybody in the chats today who believes that they've been asked for? Is there anybody in the chats today who believes that they've been sent, who's willing to say, God, I might not know what's gonna happen. God, I might be frustrated. God, I might be angry, but thank you for asking for me. Thank you for calling me. Can we begin to take a moment and fill the chats with a prayer? break. Can we take a moment and fill the chats with some faith? He has asked for you. You aren't forgotten. You do have purpose. He hasn't cast you aside. God has a plan for your life. No matter what you might have done, no matter how angry you might be at God, he's still asking for you. He still wants you. He still called you. You still have purpose. And as we continue to remember that, as we continue to understand that, we can have faith in any season of our life. And the last thing as we begin to close in, we begin to end our talk today. In verse 38, we didn't read this earlier, but I think it's just so important. It says, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by, the by this time there is a bad odor for he had been there four days. Then Jesus said, said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they might also believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And recently, me and my wife went to um, LA to go see some friends and family, and we were hanging out, and me and my brother-in-law had just got back from golfing, and, the kid, and we have these two, uh, we have a niece and a nephew, they're about three and two years old, and they run up to us, and they want to go to the pool. Now, I'm going to be honest, I probably could have been a really good uncle and took them to the pool, but... 
the Lakers were playing. So I decided that I was gonna, you know, stay inside. You guys all go ahead and go to the pool, have a good time. You know, I'll, I'll come out and hang later. But you ever have one of those moments where you kind of said no to do something, but then you like hear all the fun that's happening outside. Like I was sitting there watching the Lakers game, but then I start to hear fun. Like I hear splashing and laughing and they're just having a good time. So I, you know, I think I'm just, I'm just gonna go out and, you know, hang out. I'm just gonna go see what's going on. So I go out and they're out there having a good time and they're splashing and they're kicking. They're having a great time in the pool. And my brother-in-law, he says, uh, hey, so sometime, something that I'll do with Vincent in the pool is, you know, I'll stand in the pool and he'll jump in in my arms. So my wife Paige is in the pool and she's like, Vincent, Vincent, come jump, come jump in my arms. And Vincent runs over to the side of the pool they normally do it at. And he says, Vincent, come, come jump in my arms. Or my wife says, Vincent, come, come jump in my arms. And Vincent begins to look at her and he kind of does one of those like half jumps and then he like backs up. And then she's like, no, 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 Vincent, like it's okay. Like I'm, I'm gonna catch you, like it's all right. And he kind of goes out and he looks again and he does like a half jump and then he like takes another step back. And then she's like, and we're all like, no, Vincent, like go for it. Like all of us are cheering him on at this point. Like, come on, come on, you got it, you got it. And he goes out and he does like a half jump and then he walks around to the side of the pool and walks into the stairs and then goes in and starts playing in the pool again. And it's hilarious because I think that we see in this story that Lazarus is faced with a similar kind of decision. You see, he's faced with a choice. He was dead in the tomb, he was gone, and then all of a sudden he began to hear a voice awakening him. He began to hear the voice of his friend Jesus saying, Lazarus, it's time to come out of the grave. Now how crazy would it have been for Jesus to have said, Lazarus, come out. There's all this buildup. I mean, there's anticipation. There's emotions going everywhere. Mary's crying. Martha's crying. The Bible says Jesus wept, which means he was snotty nose crying. Everyone's crying. Everyone's built. It's all built up. They're all wondering what's going to happen. And could you imagine how crazy it would be for Jesus to have said, Lazarus, come out. And all you heard was a response from the tomb going, no. Like how insane would that have been for Jesus to say, Lazarus, come out of the grave. Come, come out, I have life for you. I have a fresh life for you. You get a fresh start. And for Lazarus to say, no, Jesus, I, I kind of want to stay in the grave. I kind of want to be, I've, I've been dead too long. I, I don't think I can come out yet. I, I want to stay in the grave. Can I be honest with you? The hardest part for me to understand and grasp about Christianity isn't believing that Jesus died for my sins. And if I'm being honest, it isn't even trying to understand and grasp how God created the heavens and the earth. But the hardest part for me in my Christianity to believe, the hardest part for me to grasp is that there's a God that's so big and so awesome and so loving that he would send his son to die for me just to empower me to be able to walk out of the graves and even the ones that I've put myself in. Because if we're being honest, sometimes the grave doesn't sound like that bad of a place. You know, the grave is, is comfortable. The grave is consistent. The grave at least sticks to the plan. So it's a lot easier for me to stay in the grave of anxiety or stay in the grave of anger or the grave of frustration because at least those are bars that I know that I can hit. At least those are expectations that I know that I can reach. But what Jesus is saying when he says, Lazarus, come out of the grave, is he's saying, Lazarus, just having you alive isn't enough. Just, just saving your salvation isn't enough. Just, just giving you eternity isn't enough. But I've called you to live a life of abundance now. I've called you to do amazing things now. Things that are living don't belong in the grave. 
Things that have life don't belong in the grave. You've, you've been there too long. The odor is getting on you. It's beginning to define you. And we begin to see Lazarus take a step of faith. We begin to see Lazarus take a jump of faith. And he begins to step out of the grave. And they begin to put some fresh clothes on him. They begin to give him some fresh vision for his life. And Jesus is sitting there like, didn't I just tell you if you just believed? Didn't I tell you if you just held on? What if the problem in your life and in my life isn't that God isn't bringing fresh vision and fresh words and fresh miracles, but the actual problem is that when he brings these miracles, things get hard and we can't stop letting go of them. But I'm thankful that even though my situation might change, my circumstance might change, a word from God is constant and true. I might be down, but I'm not out. I might be hurting, but I'm not hopeless. There's a savior, there's an advocate, and he's saying no matter what you might have done, no matter where you might be coming from, no matter who might have put you in that grave, you now are empowered, you now are enabled, and you can step out of the grave. We can hold on to the things that God has spoken to us because we can hold on to anything God has said in the past even when it doesn't look like it in the now. We can trust that we will rise again. We can trust that even when we're frustrated, the teacher is asking for us, and even when we might be in our grave, we can always trust that God will call us to step out. Well, I wanna pray before we leave, and I always wanna make sure I give an opportunity every single time I preach for someone to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And maybe you've just uh, began watching this and you really don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that today. And all that that means is that you're inviting Jesus in your life and you want Jesus to be a part of your life. And if that's you and you wanna do that, just go ahead in the comment section, put that's me or put yes or put a hand raised with an emoji and we'll have one of our staff members and one of our pastors reach out to you because we wanna pray with you and you wanna celebrate that decision for you. Well, thank you, Mission Church. We love you. I'm so excited for this fall with you and I can't wait to see you guys next week. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening and we hope to see you soon.